Hey everybody, this is Rob for the House of X Book Club, and I want you to say hello to my friends. First up, we got we got Shane. How's it going, Shane? I am doing all right. Apparently, I'm sick. Just no one told me. So. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Wait a minute. Physically um, sick or mentally? Because we've always known you were a little bit off, dude. I mean, seriously. And I'm pretty sure we, yeah. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure we've told you. <laughs> <laughs> Look, seven eating 72 tacos from Taco Bell is not a sickness. That's an accomplishment. <laughs> I <laughs> agree a side with effect. <laughs> Surviving it. That, that's the accomplishment. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Also, we have Roger. Hey, Roger. What's going on, guys? Uh, also, Rowan's here. Hello. And Drew. Hello. I do. I do want to give you and the audience fair warning that I have a new seventh-month-old kitten in the house. So if you hear meowing and chaos in the background, she's just you know doing her thing. Nice. Aww. And how how is that coming along? Are you are you acclimating well to being a kitten dad? Yeah, totally. She's uh -huh. great. Cool, cool. How when long you have you had her? Three weeks. Okay, cool. When you said fair warning and I have, I assumed that the next words were going to be explosive diarrhea. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I'm glad that, that was not the case. If that I, were the case, you know, I'd be given... recording on my laptop and I'd take it with me, Shane. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Thank you. Boy, that would be one hell of an editing job for Shane. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys, I'm glad you're all here. I have been listening to past episodes of, of House of X Book Club, and it it's a drag when we're missing uh, a member of the Quiet Council because when we do our recording, we record three episodes in a row. And so if somebody's missing that day, that's three episodes that they're they're gone from, which is quite a quite a drag um but you're all here and today we're going to be covering uh x-men number 46 and 47 so let's get into it uh x-men number 46 the release date was may 9th 1968 the cover date was july of 68 writing is gary friedrich penciling is werner roth layouts by don heck inking by john tartaglioni Letters by Artie Simic and, of course, editing by Stan Lee. The title of this issue, The End of the X-Men. Uh, but first, let's look at the cover, shall we? Um, this is art by Don Heck and inks by, I think, Tartaglioni. Now, the cover has each X-Men featured on a section of this big X, and Juggernaut is coming up behind it and tearing it apart. This is giving me some like serious breakup vibes. <laughs> and when you look at the way everybody's positioned in their section of the X, yeah, it's it's like the team is breaking up, which, I mean, the title says, the end of the X-Men. Um, but for some reason, I I, I felt a little emotional looking at this cover. Um, and for some reason, even though I've read these issues within the last two or three years, I forgot that the X-Men split up at all. And so I was even surprised once I opened up the book, but I love the cover. I was going to talk about the cover for a minute too, because sure, I think I can't remember, but I do believe this is the first cover where they use the X symbol with people on different parts of it. Uh -huh. There are other, there are other issues in the future, far future, like a decade or so where they do that again. And it becomes kind of a recurring occasional theme. 
where they where they have the big giant axe and either wolverine is like sacrificed on it or you know somebody is there's always some drama like this well that's interesting so i like it i think it's a yeah it's a cool it's a cool effective thing i think what it's doing is it's kind of telling us that the artistic direction is is heading someplace new you know yeah. Um, and, and that's great. Cause I, I can tell you, I, for one, am ready for something new in the artistic style. Yeah. I, so. I'd second that. Uh, now opening the book page one talks about, and I'm just going to cover this real briefly. It talks about the menace of Magneto being over. And then there's a little editorial box at the bottom of the page with an asterisk. And it says, as witnessed in Avengers number 53, now we read Avengers 53. It was the last one that we covered, but damn, I do miss those little, little boxes that give you, <laughs> that give you those, those tit- tidbits. Um, I miss the brief little boxes like this one. Yeah. 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 Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. Solemn Stan is, is the best Stan because he's brief. Yeah. There you go. Well, we he doesn't even kill, use the phrase. The he doesn't even use the phrase pussycat. So, I mean, yeah, he's not referring to the reader as pussycat like he normally does. Well, it's because he's sad that Magneto's dead, Roger. Apparently, yeah, yeah. So let's get it. Would you the story prefer he here. called you sugar tits, Roger? Is that what you're? <laughs> oh, <doing>? damn. <laughs> At least it would be something different. So yeah. <laughs> well, I'm I'm glad to hear that that's different for you. <laughs> <laughs> that's what my boss calls me and Stan Lee. <laughs> <laughs> So, story stuff. Um, the X-Men are attending the funeral of Charles Xavier, and they're approached by Amos Duncan, a.k.a. Fred Duncan. Um, that's FBI agent Fred Duncan. But for some reason in here, they're calling him Amos. And maybe that's because Gary Friedrich had forgotten that his name was Fred. I don't know. At any rate, they go back to the school to talk to Agent Amos Duncan, and are interrupted by Foggy Nelson, who's there and wants to read Charles Xavier's will. I thought that was cool. Uh, no. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I'm they I like Foggy that. instead of uh, Matt. Yeah. 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 And, th- and they're still connecting him to the Daredevil universe. You know what I mean? The, yeah. the Daredevil franchise. Um, after the will reading, Duncan starts to tell them what it was he wanted to say when they're suddenly interrupted by a tremor in the mansion. And the X-Men, of course, excuse themselves because, well, they have to go see what that tremor was. Uh, and they discover the Juggernaut. He was brought back from the Crimson Cosmos by a machine that Charles built. And now he wants to kill Charles. I mean, he's happy he's back, but he wants to kill Charles because Charles is, you know, his his mortal enemy. Um, the X-Men, of course, tell him that Charles is dead. He doesn't believe them. And then they fight. Then Juggernaut vanishes back to the Crimson Cosmos. And when Fred steps in to tell them what he was trying to say, they they find out that, oh, yeah, okay. Juggernaut also ended up tussling with Fred a little bit. But he does. He, he explains to them what it is he, he's there for. He tells them the X-Men need to break up and relocate individually around the country. And that's about the story. I mean, that's pretty much it. Uh, there's there's a couple of things here that that <laughs> I don't know. This feels. <laughs> I mean, it feels really stunted. It's all they're only cutting out five pages to put a you know 
they're not cutting out anything to be honest but it no. does feel short and abrupt and uh i don't know and they're too they you know they just found out in the will that they get the mansion and the school and all this stuff and then they, the fbi shows up and says no you guys need to split up i don't know i call bullshit well there's a whole bunch this? of weird stuff going on in this one man like i was like when I was reading this, I was like, so it, they're going to just start replaying the X-Men's greatest hits, but without their evil leader. Uh-huh. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's, I think it's that's just, accurate. It's just in sync without Lou Pearlman is what's going on here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But at least we figured out how Professor X got the mansion so cheap because it's right next to a cemetery. <laughs> <laughs> I figured it was because it was on top of all kinds of crazy shit, like uh, a bunker <laughs> that houses a, an evil robot. And, and then at some point demons come out of the ground and there's, you know, all kinds there's of craziness. There's at least four different, you know, underground dwelling races that have some sort of major thoroughfare that run under the yeah. mansion. But right. yeah, no, right. this is the, <laughs> I mean, there's just, yeah. <sighs> it, it's just also kind of ridiculous after the, they've been telling us the story of how when they fight individually, they get their butts kicked. And when they join as a team, that's when they, that's when they succeed at getting the bad guys. Yep. And now th they're being told to split up. Also, are they all over 18? Are, are they finally over 18? Because yeah. Yeah, because Bobby was the youngest, and he already and had he, his 18, turned, 18th birthday. And he turned 18, but it wasn't it just a couple issues back that they couldn't even, like, get benefits from the welfare office because they were teenagers? Like, it was just, I just feel <laughs> like they haven't ironed all that out. And I've You're also, talking about the Meccano issue, right? Right. And, and yeah. it just, uh, it, it just feels kind of, also, I, I think, it, it, I don't know, if I was their parents, I'd wig out that, um, that their their uh, headmaster left them a, a mansion and a well they're clearly not nonprofit. communicating that to their parents <laughs> i mean because <laughs> you know <laughs> but it, it it just the, I the, this, the premise of this this comic has been like teamwork and then they're like split up i mean i know that's supposed to be a um an obstacle but it still kind of feels you well, know, it, now the storyline is going to be them on their own. It's you know? forced tension. And yeah. I feel mm -hmm. like part of that, too, is what Rob has talked about earlier, how that they thought that the X-Men would be more interesting as if they were solo or were smaller groups. And right. I think that that's and that that's that's partly what they were moving towards here. Mm -hmm. But right. But but like Rob said, it's just everything in this book is it, it just seems I don't know how, but it seems rushed and lazy at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> by the way, by the way, the Meccano issue was issue number 36. So that was, you know. It was a bit was back, a, I guess. It was, it was almost a year ago. Yeah. Um, I just find well, it hard so to believe that someone as powerful as the Juggernaut's big move to take out the X-Men is to clog the air intake on a piece of machinery. It worked during the, the, the missile crisis a couple issues back. 
it's like yeah. I'm gonna well, I'm gonna clog the air intake. I'm gonna stick a banana in the tailpipe, and then I'm gonna <laughs> spit on your windshield. There's uh there's I mean there's something here that I I, I kind of want to point out, and that's part of it. Juggernaut is sporting some new powers. Yeah. Yeah. You know he's shooting these what they call globules uh, of energy, um, and you know no nobody gets hit by them, but when it hits a tree, that tree gets blown in half. So he's got some new like dangerously new power, dangerous and new powers. I thought it was um, interesting though when when Ma- uh, not Magneto uh, when Juggernaut went to Charles Xavier's you know grave to see that he was really dead because he didn't believe anyone when they told him he didn't destroy the grave. I feel like that's something juggernaut would have done. I agree. Yep. Yeah. Well, no. fully, he would have gone on to a, like a blind rage and just, you know, hit it with his fist or something and shattered I, it. I think we're going to find out that the juggernaut really secretly cared about his brother. Okay, Rob. <laughs> I kind of got a kick out of how he didn't believe it. Anybody in, <laughs> yeah. sort of got a kick out of that my problem with that was it's like you're lying i'm going to kill you for lying to me what what come on yeah there, there are so many reasons that juggernaut would actually you could as a villain formulate in his brain to want to kill them there's i, I think it's important to I, I think it's important to point out that this is coming from the juggernaut who ends up being one of the greatest heroes in the X-Men universe. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> I didn't know that. Dude, it's like 30 well, you, years down the road. Yeah, yeah, you'll forget by the time we get I, there. I feel I figure like every single villain has their day being a hero and every hero has their day being a villain with the X-Men. Mm, mm. I certainly feel like that in real life. <laughs> um yeah, so so was it just me or did the whole juggernaut bit seem kind of pointless? I mean, it it's like they brought him in for filler, you know, they're cutting out five pages of the main story anyway. And then they're like, well, what do we do? I don't know what to do. Let's well, bring in the juggernaut for a few pages. I, I'm, I'm going to agree to disagree on that one because I like the fact that they're, they're kind of breaking up the story of an issue into random little bits. This is a little bit more like reality. Whereas, you know, it's, oh, yeah, they yeah. Tend, the, the, yeah, okay. They tend to do, they tend to do these, you know, neat, episodic, almost like primetime TV things where we start the problem, we deal with the problem, and then we wrap it all up just in time. And it's like, it's kind of nice to see a little discontinuity in that, in that regard. Yeah, it is kind of like random and weird. It's like driving down a bumpy road. You're not sure, should I be here? Should I be doing this? Should I turn around? What's going on? But, it was i mean what else are you going to do for the issue you're going to have even a short issue you're just going to have them like moping and then splitting up and going their different ways after yeah yeah whoever his name duncan is go tells him i mean it's you know i i agree with both you on that i i do think that it it kind of felt like unnecessary to have the juggernaut in here but at the same time if we didn't have the juggernaut then literally this issue the entire issue would be them the the will being read and then Duncan coming in and being like oh sorry guys you're done and that would be that would be it that's not yeah. actually <laughs> a fun read There's, like it's very important to the story but it's not fun yeah there wouldn't be any action at all there would be no you know nothing to break it up just be them moping that Professor X is dead and 
now they got to go their separate ways. Yeah. That's pretty much what the issue is anyway, because they fight the juggernaut <laughs> for a bit. Then the egg timer goes off and he goes back into the closet. Right. But without that, yeah. without the fight with the juggernaut, it would have there would have been literally no action in the story and it would not have then, sold. Then they could have brought in Reed Richards to tell everybody that, yeah, we've had our differences, but we're really sorry that your Xavier is dead. And then they could have brought in like one of the ex one of the uh, one of the Avengers to, to say, I know we've had our differences. That's that not a bad idea. Thing. One of my but, actually one yeah. of my favorite comic book issues is I'm pretty sure it's it's 52 issue one where like literally the entire issue is just a huge memorial for all the the, the heroes that were lost during the final yeah. crisis. Yeah, like, there you go. that would have been great if they had done that. that and it would have nailed it home, I think, even more that Xavier is now actually dead, you know? Yeah. Just well, would have been, been a okay, funeral, funeral for Xavier this issue. Yeah, that would have been, that would have been interesting, yeah. But they to didn't continue do that, that kind of thread later. To continue that thread, if they had done that, which I do like that idea, they could have had like Thor or somebody just kind of wandering around the mansion looking for the bathroom. And then all of a sudden <laughs> Juggernaut just pops out of nowhere and he's like, Where's Xavier? And Thor just like bitch slaps him and then poof, he goes back to the weird dimension. Yeah. That would have been awesome. <laughs> That really oh, would have yeah, because cool. it would have been random and like maybe Thor doesn't say anything. Yeah, yeah or exactly. If you have like, I don't know, like uh, <laughs> Reed Richards would be great for this, Mr. Invisible. Like if he just walks into that room where there's just like a, a two-way mirror into all their bedrooms and he looks into it and just like turns around and is like, okay, nothing yeah, to see like, here. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just kind of walks out, out that... and the little bead of sweat's kind of coming down. <laughs> <his face>. <laughs> <laughs> I want to point out that Drew just called reed richards mr invisible is that no that's I, his wife whatever yeah. the invisible one is i don't know man that's I'm right not reed richards guy. is married to mr invisible <laughs> it was a really know. progressive book sir <laughs> drew, drew you know what that does is it just kind of it just kind of hits at home the diversity of our group uh especially in you because you're not a guy who has grown up reading these comics and you don't know the characters all that well you know them a bit but you know I think that's cool, man. I I think I, I think he's on to something that is perfectly viable to call him Mr. Invisible, considering they're oh, yeah. married and it's usually the woman who takes the last name and all that. So why not? Fuck it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I just want to say that we um are really glad that Drew or somebody like Drew, specifically Drew, but somebody <laughs> like God Drew for my ignorance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So a couple other things happens. Okay. So we've talked about like the possible, like is, is juggernaut coming back? He comes back like every handful of issues yeah. just so people don't forget him. Um, and, and I do think that part of it might be to kind of enrich a little character development. Um, and now it's in his head. I don't know where he is. He's back in the crimson cosmos. I don't know why he disappeared. But when he comes back, I mean, is he ever going to feel sorry, you know, about what a dick he was? Is he ever going to feel bad about his brother dying? Not at all. I don't know. Nope. nope. <laughs> In but fact, something I, else. He doesn't. I think he thinks that his brother's not dead because he got the idea that it wasn't that he felt. Didn't he feel like um, Jean Grey's probe? He, he felt Jean Grey's probe and he was like only my brother can do that and so he started feeling yeah. there you go so yeah. he yeah. goes back thinking that his brother really isn't dead people are lying to him um, and but that brings another he's, thing he's the only one that's correct yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> gene gray's new powers um 
Now it's mentioned in the book. Somebody says, "Oh, a bit of the power that it, that she inherited from Professor X," but she didn't inherit shit from Professor X, except maybe the mansion. Um, it was it was him <clears throat> unlocking her abilities that he, and we don't know that yet, right? Uh, well, it, it it's it's mentioned both ways in this issue because I'm I'm on page twelve, the bottom left panel. She says, "There's been so little time to develop the powers the professor developed in me." So, you know, it, it, making it sound like he trained her to do this and it was something it yeah. was in her own power set to begin with. He just helped her figure it out. But then it's also implied by uh, other characters all over the place, not just in this issue that like the professor passed this on, like he put his powers into her. So it's very confusing in continuity at the moment as to how this actually works. Yeah. Well, um, she has a killer mind bolt. That was pretty cool. I got to say when she uses that mind bolt and it really, it slows down the juggernaut because he feels like he says, he makes a comment about how, you know, he's feeling like there's all this pressure and um, nobody can stop the juggernaut, but that mind bolt, it, it came the closest to ever doing it. And, mm -hmm. and then just as he realized what was happening, of course he poofs, but, but that <laughs> is I, a new power. I... That's, Am I wrong? But I thought that in the future <clears throat> versions of the of the Juggernaut, that his helmet kind of protected him from psychic attacks. Yep, it's everyone it who has yeah. everyone who has helmets in the future has yeah. helmets that protects them from psychic <laughs> attacks. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you one of my favorite things in this book is when Juggernaut kicked the shit out of Agent Duncan. I thought <laughs> I was like, oh my god, he, he killed him. <laughs> yeah. Snapped his neck. Yeah, then, then, then his friend went flying out the window. I mean, that yeah. was. Then he comes back yeah. later, and he's like, "I need some ointment." But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, he yeah. lifts him up and like shoves his his head against the ceiling, the and ceiling? then tosses him out a window. Which we don't know if it's a first floor or second floor window, but that no, <laughs> <laughs> he needs some ointment. <laughs> oh man, and with it then. Like they're just weird, weird, weird stuff through the whole thing. They're in the middle of the fight, um, the juggernaut throws a piece of machinery at Scott, right? Scott ducks it and he's like, oh my gosh, Gene, pay attention. What the fuck was she looking at that was so important that would take her attention away from, from the juggernaut and fighting the juggernaut? It's like, was did Angel fly by and one of his balls was hanging out? And she's like, what, what was that? I mean, because I can't was figure... watching Cyclops's sweet, sweet ass the whole time. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I can't figure out why she, it just, it just like, oh, Gene, pay attention. There's machinery coming. Yeah, no shit. She should have been looking. It's her fault. <laughs> it almost hit her in the head. Yeah, I agree oh. with that. Wow. I mean, at least he saved her with his his optic blast, I guess. Yeah, because she was very confused in that panel. Yeah, I don't know. I just it was, yeah, just what? Uh, come on, yeah, literally. That's literally what she says. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I felt like the artwork was was a little bit better in this issue. Um, I I don't know. I'm beginning to. I'm beginning. I don't know if I'm just becoming more uh acclimated to the style um but i felt the art was pretty decent um see i'm on the other side of that i just keep telling myself 
Angel's costume won't look like that forever. Angel's costume won't look like that forever. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness. Yeah. No, it, his costume still looks like a circus uniform. Yep. I I think for me, my least favorite at this point, after I've gotten used to them, is just jeans. It's just so bad. Yeah, it's... it was so cool when she looked like she was an equal part of the team. And it just the feels... costume. Yeah. It just feels like putting her in a mini skirt and bare shoulders makes her mm-hmm. feel less than. Yeah, a plain a plain green dress with a mini skirt, uh, and and a yellow it's got belt. A belt, come on, a yellow belt with the red X symbol <laughs> in the middle, and then full length gloves that go all the way up to her her shoulders that are yellow, and and a yellow domino mask with spikes on it. it like it sounds like it yeah. should be interesting when you say it out loud, but it just looking at it that it's. So boring. Well, it, it it to me it looks almost like a really bad Halloween costume. Doesn't <laughs> yeah. it? Yeah, it looks I mean, it seriously. looks like a it looks you know to call a little bit from the future now it looks like a, a sorority girl really yeah. wanted to be like a combination of like an X Men and Catwoman but slutty. Yep. <laughs> Sex sexy witch. Sexy um, witch. There you go. Maybe. No, but to talk about costumes, at least Iceman looks like he's wearing shorts and some kind of boots now. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I he looks better. He looks more he's got more of a human physique. It's because so, of a, a couple issues ago when he had to ride naked in the taxi cab. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's what it was. He was he learned, was like, yeah. She, he learned she Gray was distracted by Bobby because the ice was melting and she could see his genitals through the <laughs> ice underpants. <laughs> uh, All right. So well, I don't I don't understand. One thing I don't understand about this one is like when Duncan is like, oh, get me some liniment. By the way, you guys have to split up. And Cyclops is like, oh, well, we got to split up. Why? I'd have been, fuck you, get your own liniment. You know what <laughs> this book really needed at the end is for Mimic to come back and set his deputy leader straight. Ooh, that's yeah. That's right. Yep. <laughs> yep. Oh, God. <laughs> but wasn't so he my lights? No, not at the end. He went okay. off to do his own thing. The, the dumb thing is Duncan just saw them function as a team and survive it and do well. And then he tells them to split up. It's like, I, I bet he you just saw I bet he, evidence. I bet he was gaining his consciousness after being tossed out the window by the juggernaut. You know, <laughs> maybe that's it. Maybe but that's he said, it. he said there were super villains all over and that they would do better to, to be, in multiple places around the country because well, there are super villains he, all over. So is he going to go to the Avengers and the Fantastic Four and tell them that too? I know, hey, right? Richards, you'd be better does, on your it own. It doesn't make sense it, unless it's just discrimination <laughs> against mutants. It didn't make yeah. sense. Hey, Fantastic Maybe Four, go, go live in Detroit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tucson, Arizona needs heroes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, um, we have a backup story. This. No, we so don't. We should, yeah, we do. No, we let's do. not. Let's this just not. Very important backup story. No, um, it's not. <laughs> so the backup here is, and then there were two. Um, writing it was Gary Friedrich, penciling by George Tuska, ink by John Tartaglioni, letters by Artie Simic, and of course, editing with Stan Lee. We jump back in time to where Bobby and Scott are squaring off with an angry crowd wanting to hang them uh you you gotta be you gotta love the south right 
Um, <laughs> so the sheriff was okay with this, but now that the shits are getting real, he's changed his mind. The mob uh, drags him off so that they can hang Cyclops and Iceman. And they tie up these two teenage mutants. And of course, it seems that their powers have weakened. So they're just biding their time, really, until their juice comes back. Because they can't do anything. Uh, finally, Xavier contacts Scott mentally and tells him to run to Bobby Drake's house. Uh, but So they do they do get, get loose. And, and then they run to Bobby's house. Of course, Charles... When they get there, Charles explains that he mind wiped the minds of the angry mob so that they won't be a problem. And he offers Bobby a spot on the X-Men. And then he wipes the minds of Mr. and Mrs. Drake. Yeah, that was. <sighs> uh, yeah. And he wipes their minds so that they no longer know that their son is a mutant. And he tells them that he's offering a spot at his elite academy. And, and you know, of course, they say yes. That was so not okay. <laughs> I, I was just like, I was kind of okay with him, you know, mind wiping the mob, whatever that that's fine, I yeah, guess. Screw but, that then, mob. but then Bobby's like, okay, but what about my folks? And he literally says, and I quote, I will wipe out their memories of your mutant powers. They will only know that you are a student at my school. And Bobby's just like, okay. Like, that was, <laughs> ri that was ridiculous. His parents Rhymes don't have problems with him having powers. They're fine. Right. They've this been protecting the him. This isn't like yeah. the you know the the first X Men movie where they're all you know weird right. about oh. it. That was I. Uh, that made me cringe so much in the movie where they're like, "Have you ever tried not being a mutant?" You know, ah. Uh, have okay. you ever tried not being a douche canoe? I have not. <laughs> <laughs> I was confused at first because the sheriff looked so much like a part of the angry mob. Yeah, there's those two panels that are nearby. Um, it's just the color of the one guy's hat and the color of his jacket that's different than the sheriff's. Yeah. I it, just don't know. Like, is like what kind of little podunk shit splat town did Bobby live in? Well, he really did become part of the mob because he conceded to the mob in the previous issue. He was like, well, yeah. I guess you're right about him. Let's go get him. He did do that. And so he kind of was part of the mob. And and he he basically gave up some of his power to the mob. And so for him to kind of turn around and go, oh, shoot, you're going to lynch him? How about not? It, it was like... What did he expect? You know, it was like, dude, you've already given up your power to them. Yeah. I, I, I do wonder as well, like, what they thought the end result was going to be if they um, hung him from a tree by the waist like they were going to string them up probably yeah i'll tell you this i'll tell you this so they they're hanging them at they tied them up at the waist but then they bring out nooses so yeah i think that i think that they do plan on hanging them by the neck but they don't actually yeah. say that they're already tied up by the waist when they bring out the nooses all right it just kind of looked like they were gonna yo we're gonna string them up and then he's standing there with it around his waist it's like so he can swing like is this Mo yeah, pinata style. My fun day at the park with Cyclops. <laughs> I love on uh, I love on page five, the top left. The guy is literally yelling with a shotgun in his hand. They got to be heading for the Drake kid's place. Let's take a shortcut and head him off. 
Okay, Clem, let's go head them off at the pass, shall we? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, like, but and before I realized that that was like Xavier mind controlling him, I was like, "How the fuck does this whole mob know the shortcut to Bobby's house?" <laughs> it's well, a, it's small a small town. town. It's a small town. Yeah, yeah. They all know. They all know how to get there. Um, to me, this read like a 1960s story for sure. You know, it it had. I I kept expecting Chuck Connors to pop out with a rifle, yeah. you know, telling the mob to let them boys go or each of them would be sorry. Um, <laughs> you know, of course, the day was ex machina is just the professor, um, you know, showing up when he did, uh, which, you know, y- you got to expect because the professor always saves the day. But it's well, it's a neat little bit of Iceman history, uh, Iceman origin story, how he joined the team. Um I did I find like it interesting, to... though, that he, he specifically says that uh, Bobby is now my second student. Like we haven't we didn't know about that until now. He's literally only referred to until this instance as my youngest student, never my second student, whereas right. Scott is always referred to as my first student. Yeah. yeah. And it it is interesting to see the the sort of heavy backstory of his original students. And I know the book has been going on for a while and we kind of make fun of, we, we sort of tease about like what the, what the premise is of the X-Men uh, of, and of, of, of Magneto and Xavier. Um, but this backstory gives the whole anti-bigotry thing uh, a lot of weight. Yeah. Well, yeah, now it's definitely a thing. I mean, but to that point, yeah, do you there, think there was that a that time. was the plan the whole time, or do you think that that's well? I do else? think I do think that the whole uh, King versus Malcolm Malcolm X thing. I don't. I wouldn't know about that, but I do think the anti bigotry thing was perhaps something that they had on their mind the whole time. I don't. I I don't think so until more recently, and I'm going to say this because when you read some of the earlier issues the the crowd responses are always mixed sometimes the crowd is like hey it's the x-men you know let them do their thing they're they're heroes and then once in a while there's an issue where the crowd is just like oh it's you know them damn mutants you know blah 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 they it to me it seems like it depends on who's writing as to where they're where they're going they hadn't made up their mind about anything until probably this issue but the x-men are contextualized um um, they're they're contextualized uh, in a heroic setting versus knowing a mutant or uh, being in the proximity of a mutant. I once took a survey in a, in class where I asked my 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 peers if they would be okay with, and this is in the early this is like 1991 or you know or 92, where I asked my my peers as a freshman in high school if you know so it's even earlier than that if they would be okay with going to school with an hiv positive student and it was mixed response okay mm-hmm. but, I, but i remember someone raising their hand by being like they thought an hiv positive student should be allowed to go to school but they basically were privately admitting they didn't really want to go to school with an hiv positive student so they i so the idea was like in principle they were like yes but they personally were uncomfortable with it so like 
an it, it, the X-Men in principle are positive, are, are, are a positive thing because they're heroic and they're doing positive things, but a mutant is maybe too close for comfort is what I'm saying it's for people. Mm. <clears throat> Interesting. Yeah. Well, damn it. Now I retract my statement. <laughs> well, no, I think, I think, <laughs> I think that you actually both are right, but I think that it ramped up. I feel like that when they really decided to do the bigotry thing full force was when they introduced the Sentinels. Yeah. And then now they got to this and when they started doing this story, they made they kind of retroactively made the bigotry a bigger part of the story than what it was when they originally conceived the team. And and the reason they did that I feel that way is because there was the anger that comes from the mob here uh, like Roger said wasn't really there. There was there were a few people that were like, but it was almost like Oh, they're all a bunch of communists or weird stuff like that. Yeah. But and then but then once they introduced the Sentinels and that be, that's really where the anti-mutant and anti, you know, anti-X-Men sentiment started. There was there were pockets of it, but it wasn't as focused and concentrated and then they went back and made it retroactively a part of Iceman's past. Yeah, I could see that. I just it just seemed like the concept of them hiding their mutant abilities was already kind of being built into them as students from the start. And that's Well, because they have the costumes and the and the code names. Yeah. They're not they're not walking around most issues they're not walking around using their first names once in a while they do but yeah you're you're right on that yeah but that was that was all because professor x was telling them to do that you have to hide your identity yeah and he was trying to protect himself from being associated with the x-men yeah so the question is why would they do that unless there was a reason to i guess and maybe it wasn't an issue of all out obvious uh anti-mutant propaganda and and whatever being visible but maybe it's the fear of the potential for that to happen so maybe that's what motivated him it was professor x being i sick and tired of those seventh day adventists coming by the house i'm just going to pretend like i don't live here anymore <laughs> and have nothing to do with these people <laughs> <laughs> i didn't have anything good to say about the, the that backup it just seemed like everything that was put in there, it felt rushed and forced. Yeah, I would agree with that. It could have been could have been a longer story arc. Yeah, I, but I at the same time, I think comparing this story arc to the Cyclops origin story arc, like in Cyclops's origin story, I think they they strung it out too long because they tried to tell too grand of a story. But in this, like. The story was super simple. It was like, oh, this mm. this kid's a mutant. His town hates him. We better go rescue him. And that's what happened. It didn't really need to be as long as it was. Like if they had made it two issues, two five-page issues instead of three five-page issues, I think it could have gone a lot smoother. But and I, I think maybe they learned from Cyclops's right. origin story that it just took too long and people were losing interest. So they tried to dumb this one down. But it's it comparing the two in my head. It's like two completely different writing styles, and it and it's it, there's no consistency to the storytelling between the two. Well, and to that point, maybe it's like you said, this is a fairly new format, and maybe they didn't have it 
thought out as well as they would like to. Yeah. Um, I agree. Again, kind of going back to something that we've talked about in the past is what this story, these two stories needed was a good editor. Yeah. Especially when you're doing such a five short five page story. And I, I understand and appreciate the, uh, you know, Stan wanting to be kind of the shepherd of the Marvel universe, but man, if he had handed some of this work off and let someone else do some of this stuff, I feel like these stories probably could have been a lot better. When I said I I wanted it to be a little bit longer a minute ago, what I was thinking was a little bit more um, of seeing Bobby in context of like his classmates and, and little almost like we saw in, I think it was a Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movie where all of a sudden he discovers he can shoot spider webs in the middle of lunch in the cafeteria. Yeah. Like, like yeah. You know, Bobby kind of slowly figuring out that he has this weird ability and somebody at school maybe like catches, catches sight of it out of the corner of their eye or something. Well, yeah. either that or like, even if it was something like, you know, the way the story's written is you don't know what his relationship was with everyone in town before this yeah. happens like yeah uh, this happened on wednesday we don't know if everyone liked him on tuesday now maybe that maybe now it's wednesday and they're like that dude's a mutant now we have a reason to kick his ass before he was yeah. just a dickhead yeah <laughs> that's that's viable too. okay yeah well we could probably talk about this backup story this five pages forever but we've got another <laughs> issue to talk about. <laughs> so let's go ahead and start covering X-Men number 47. Uh, the release date of that issue was June 11th, 1968. Uh, the cover date was August of 1968. And I want to point out the cover art done by Don Heck and Frank Giacoya. Um, credits, of course, for this issue written... Uh, it's written by Gary Friedrich and Arnold Drake, uh, penciled by Werner Roth with layouts by Don Heck, inking by John Tartaglioni, lettering by Art Simic, and of course, editing by Stan Lee. The title is The Warlock Wears Three Faces, and I have to say, I never thought I'd have to read about, about this guy again. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh, now, now can, can one of you guys refresh my memory? I think it's accurate. But I, was the warlock the one that that tried to marry Jean Grey and sucked him off into an alternate dimension kind of thing and like with the giant hand yeah, and grabbed yeah. him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, so the all powerful guy that like almost decimated them. He's just some like, yeah. street performer now. Uh, <laughs> Mahayogi. Well, he lost the first <laughs> time. He had to take a side gig. <laughs> Uber He's wasn't admitted yet, so his options were limited. Guess so. <laughs> He's using it as a cover. Well, I uh, I gotta say the only thing that's keeping me going after this issue is the fact that we are about twelve episodes away from reading a stretch of not X Men issues. You know, um, <laughs> because <laughs> X Men will be nothing but reprints, and we'll have to read a ton of other stuff that's not the X Men. And, and and those issues of other books. Some of them are good. Some of them are bad, but it's, we don't have to read about this guy anymore. <laughs> so anyway. can we, can we talk about the cover for a second? Let's do. Yeah. So when I'm looking at this, it says in some way, it's got the yellow background with the red lettering that says the X-Men featuring. And then in large block printing, it says yeah. the beast and Iceman. Now I, my first thought is 
this is this is an attempt at doing like almost like a Marvel two and one or something. That's yeah. Don't you get that feeling from yeah. this? Well, no, that's ex- yeah. and that's exactly we talked about it already in this episode. That's exactly where they were going with that because it fo- put the focus on less members of the team, so they got more m- more page time and more story yeah. behind them and. Um, and I do find it okay. I want to bring this up because I find this funny. Now, Amos, Amos, I'll never want to call him Amos. He'll always be Fred to me. But um, he's famous. He's famous. Famous we, Fred. We all like Ed, his cookies. Not famous, famous. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, he's Mrs. Shields. Um, or Mrs. Fields. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> so- <laughs> he's Brooke Shields. He was Brooke in the Shields. Blue Lagoon. <laughs> I'm getting very so, confused. Yeah, so so if we look at them <laughs> being paired off, Amos tells them that they're going to have to split up, and here they're breaking into twos. You know, <laughs> it's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of silly. Anyway, um, in this story, Bobby and Hank are taking the girls out on a double date. They, as they stop do. At a, yeah, they can't as go they on do. solo dates. And, and you know that these guys are not paying for it. Um, they stop at a theater where the Maha Yogi is performing and the show's sold out. Now, Bobby and Hank really want to see this. So uh, Bobby asks if there's a cancellation to hold their, you know, to, to maybe if they can get tickets, if there's a cancellation and the girl at the window says, sure. Yeah, we could do that. Um, and uh, in the meantime, the four of them go to the ca- ca- uh, coffee, a go-go. Their favorite, you know, their favorite uh, hangout. Of course, there's a brawl there, and the lights go out, and this gives Bobby and Hank a chance to ditch their dates and be X Men for a little while. Now, when the lights come back up, Bobby and Hank show up and make make excuses as to where they went. Um, <laughs> at that point, it turns out there were four cancellations, so the four of them can actually go to the Mahayogi show. Now, before we go to what the Mahayogi is all about, these girls, boy, these are the worst dates ever, these two guys. Now, Rowan pointed out the other night <laughs> that at this point, the girls have to be thinking that those two guys are gay because they they go off together and come up with lame excuses as to where they were and what they were doing, and they're always straightening their clothes. So... <laughs> yep didn't they it's oh no i i so their excuse is oh we had a very important meeting under a table i i totally thought that that Ah. said we had a we had a very important date under a table but (laughs) uh yeah so i think rowan was onto something there i think so well i don't know i mean it looks shady as hell is what i'm saying (laughs) yeah So, of course, they go to the show and uh, see that the, well, they go to see the Maha Yogi, who turns out to be Warlock, a.k.a. Merlin. Not the um, good Warlock. Yeah, not the good Merlin. Maha <laughs> <laughs> Yogi takes control of the audience, except for Bobby and Hank. So they slip back into their costumes and they fight him. And uh, and then at, at some point, so they defeat the Mahayogi in one of the most ridiculous ways possible. 
And then he gets taken away by the cops. And I kind of want to go back to Drew's. Wait a minute. Isn't this the, the, the damn near omnipotent guy who just plucked them out of reality? You know, it, he could do that. Now he's just getting carried away by the cops. I mean, the thing that stopped them was that Iceman took the, like a, a, a an amplifier and turned it up full blast. And, and that's, that distracted the Mahayogi. Well, no, because he, he threw a crystal at the amplifier. Uh, oh, okay. That's right. That was the, uh, some crazy gem. And we all um, know the power of crystals. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, well, this is stuff that scratches, makes me scratch my head. Okay. So he throws a magical gem at Iceman, but Iceman deflects it with his ice shield. And thank you, Jeebus, because a gem hit, a magical gem hitting Iceman would suck. Um, he turns the theater's tape console up to full volume, which makes the Mahayogi go a little nuts until the cop shows up and he surrenders. And a big question that I have, though, is shouldn't he be sleeping in a museum right now? Yes. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So I don't know what's going on with this guy. Or, 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 or like Drew said, why did he become a stage performer as opposed to this omnipotent godlike guy? Uh, I don't even know what he was arrested for. <laughs> yeah, exactly. As far as the authorities are concerned, he didn't do anything. He didn't do anything but put right. on a show. A bad show. Tried to... Yeah. Tried to mesmerize the audience, but nobody knows that. Right. All yeah. he was doing was putting on a show. Where he was supposed to hypnotize the audience. Yeah, there you go. That's right. The, uh, it's funny because when they wake up and they see Beast fighting him, they're like, yeah, the, the Beast is fighting him. You go, Beastie. You know, they're they're egging him on. Why? What did that guy do? You know, I don't know. Maybe they think it's part of the show. The only thing that made it make sense in my head is as soon as they were snapped out of their hypnotism by him, they realized they were being hypnotized and screwed with. Yeah. So somebody ran and called the cops, but like they all collectively knew that something bad was going on. Otherwise, this just makes no sense. Yeah. The, well, that one panel on the on um, page 13 on the top left, the guy is like, what? What happened? And the woman's like, how? So it's obvious that they had some knowledge that they were being manipulated yeah it's i don't know this whole i was very confused reading this whole issue because like i said at the beginning and like rob has been saying like this is some huge omnipotent super being that you know was barely defeated by the the whole might of the x-men and yeah. professor xavier and then all yeah. of a sudden he's just taken out by two teenagers on a date like with with basic stage equipment, like anybody could have done what what they did. Granted, they couldn't have done it as flashily nor as easily, but anyone could have done what they did. So it it really left this weird confusion in my brain as to like what's going on with the warlock. Like, wh why did they nerf him so bad? To use a gaming term, it was bizarre. Yeah. Well, it seems to me almost like this is where Marvel suddenly decided that their characters had to have weaknesses. Like even Superman's got his weakness, but in games, when you're creating a character, they can't just be some super magic, all powerful. They can't if character. you use mods. They have, 
well <laughs> but i mean normally you have like weaknesses right and it seems like one of the writers realized hey the only way they're going to beat this guy is if he's mm-hmm. got some kind of weird weakness to like sound and and whatnot so that's what they did kaleidoscopes yeah so one of the positive i would like i'm going to say something positive about the book i kind of dug the art in this one <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, well it's definitely better than the first time uh the warlock showed up yeah i th- i just felt like the textures in the warlock's face even i mean the fa- the facial yeah. the 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 faces he's making are a little bit over the top and silly but man like the shading and the shadowing it kind he of had reminds- better hair yeah um and then like the people in the audience like being glazed the way they were glazed over you could tell something was going on as they didn't look right. like the other people um but one of the things that I didn't like didn't have anything to do specifically with the story, but it was with the with the like the way that the way it was laid out was the weird crosstalk in their thoughts. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it it just felt like everyone was all thinking to themselves about what was going on, but it was like they were having a conversation as they were they were they were reflecting inner inward. And it just, it, it felt weird. It, it looked like they were trying to do something new, but it wasn't very well thought out. Like, why wouldn't, why wouldn't Beast and Iceman have that conversation? Why would right. Iceman think to himself, oh, it's not going to do any good to talk to Hank about this. We just it's, have to live with it. Because they're men and men don't talk about their emotions. <laughs> sorry drew I, I tried not to laugh thanks that's yeah. but on on page two on this the second panel so like the whole first page uh bobby and hank are, are thinking about oh how sad they are and oh i know the other person's sad too but we can't yep. talk about it because you know we're stoic heroes or whatever and then the second panel of page two hank actually says something that is actually intelligent for once he he's thinking to himself about about the uh x-men breaking up and he thinks it would seem much easier for our enemy to hunt us down and dispose of us one one by one than to face our combined powers no shit (laughs) (laughs) and the thing is is that could have been coming from either one of them because that those two thought bubbles you're right did not have Hank talking the way Hank talks. No, and and in the last, I had a note in the last issue that I I didn't mention because it's it was really for myself and and, but the entire run of this book, Hank has used way too many big words like and and not accurately and not in a way that is coherent, but like in the last two issues, this issue and and uh, forty six, he's pretty normal. Like he doesn't sound like a thesaurus that doesn't know what is actually thesaurus sizing <laughs> well and because he's it? too emotionally distraught yeah another piece that that struck me as a little odd was when they went to the coffee a go-go they got into a fight again yeah they keep going <laughs> like how like are why are you still fucking going to this place because <laughs> bernard <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. The the draw yeah. is Bernard. Yeah, he's got a he's got now, a no, he's got a giant hog. And the wait, doesn't Zelda work there, go Look at it. It's thought, cheap coffee, yeah, yeah. man, and they have no money. Come on. I Although, think Zelda's probably been fired by now. 
Well, yeah. I personally, uh, let's see, what page is this? This is page four, third panel, the the Black Canary lookalike. I would go there just for that. <laughs> you're, yeah. you're a fan of the so, fishnets there, huh, Drew? I mean, it, 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 it's, the art is very good. You were saying so yourself. <laughs> so I, no, I'm just asking find... so I'll know what, what to wear next time we meet up. Uh, <laughs> it, it really, for comic books, you know. You can't really um, draw lace very well in comic books, so fishnets has to work. I I think it's in the future. Well, definitely in the future. Um, of course, Coffee A Go Go shuts down and it becomes something else. Um, and that closes down. And I think the X-Men all pitch in a bunch of money and buy the place, if I remember correctly. They're using it as like their hangout. And I think even Kitty, Kitty Pride ends up working there. It becomes uh, the bar, right? It becomes the that's where Wolverine always Yeah. Goes. Yeah, 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 yeah. But but they do. I mean, and it gets flattened all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, like Juggernaut will throw somebody through the bar or something. It gets flattened all the time. So the X-Men are like, well, shit, we got to put more money into this place. Might as well just buy the joint. Um, but let, let's talk a bit about the sexism here. I know we oh. kind of brought it up a little bit, but there there's a there's a bunch. Yeah, go ahead, Ron. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Yes, refer to Rowan. Well, the the thing I hate about this book is the gag of the dopey, cheap, dismissive boyfriend. It, it, I mean, it's a running gag with Hank and Bobby, you know, and they have no money. And so the girlfriends are always paying. And then they're scolding, perpetually unhappy. The other side of that, too, is that they're uh, catty and jealous when the one um, young woman is you know smiles at bobby too much or whatever the, they always use these tropes in in the in the yeah. books um but especially the the whole empty pocket and, and dismissive in fact i even have a, a a quote here when hank mentions that they're going to meet their ladies fair bobby says i thought we just had dates with vera and zelda oh damn thick burn <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh wow yeah oh, what a dick. Well, so so we're talking about that and one of Hank's favorite words comes up when he calls Vera a wench. No, uh, what the fuck was that? I, I'd have been slapped if I called any data mine a wench, I tell you. Oh. Uh <laughs> anyway, Rowan and, is and, just and, exhaling in, in anger. Right. Yeah. And, no, and I, by the way, I only said, wrong. let's refer to Rowan. I only said, let's refer to Rowan because I heard you wanting to say something so bad. So. <laughs> well, no, I'm no, surprised. no. I, I'm, not, I'm not ticked. No. I wanted you to use your catchphrase, but you haven't done it yet. I'm a little disappointed. My catchphrase? Yeah. This is bullshit. Oh, <laughs> this is stupid. <laughs> this is stupid. Yeah, right. Um. Yeah, you were vibrating no, so much I... when he brought up the sexism that we could hear it through your microphone. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that I, I thought was, yeah, part of this is, so both women are pissed off because these when these guys just show up, right? And they're mad until the guys mention going to the Copa, which is a, an upscale joint. And then it's okay. They're like, oh, you're going to take us to the Copa. We uh, we accept your apology. We're not mad. Yeah, let's go to the Copa. And of course, of course, that doesn't happen because they can't afford the Copa. They're like, yeah, well, it's a, it's a nice thought anyway. You know, they don't actually go to the Copa. No, it's, it's like, like it's part of that dismissiveness thing that, that's a running 
it's a running gag with with them yeah i feel it's like, like shot in the dead when all they do is go to the winchester and hang out yeah mm-hmm. right i feel like it would be well, i i can ignore that personally but i think the only reason i can ignore that is because they don't show up all that often like it, it is a running gag and i can see how it gets old but it's a running gag that realistically only happens once every you know seven issues yeah but you oh, know you show up more if you got stood up like that all the time or I, well that's that's another thing too beetle. is it it's not like vera and zelda are lacking you know the ability to find other dates that's half the conflicts that have with them is other guys wanting to take them on dates you're like oh yeah bobby goes out with that zelda all the time but he doesn't really because she doesn't always have money <laughs> yeah my problem with it is that it's the same thing every time we see them together yeah yeah it's the same kind of dialogue it's the same scenario where the two guys don't have any cash it's the same scenario when the two gar- girls are like disappointed it's the same thing when the two guys like shut off the lights and disappear together i mean how much longer <laughs> is this relationship gonna last it's gonna i mean i'm bored with it for well, christ's that's, sake that's it's- the kind of sad thing about it too is like i feel like zelda and vera could be two really compelling characters but i yeah. just like they're not going to go anywhere well i would love it if one of them was secretly a mutant and nobody knew about it i would love it if they actually want to spend time together and that's why they even put up with this shit is because yeah. they yeah. secretly want to hang out together and yeah. they figure that Hank and Bobby want to secretly spend time together, and that's why they run off together all the time. They're and that, all each other's beards. Is that that's exactly what I was yeah. going to say? That, yes, yes. And then so they sit together, and they're like, uh, "At least I get to hang out with Zelda, you know. Yep. At least I get to hang out with Vera." And then there goes Bobby and Hank, and that's what's happening here. That's what's happening here. Oh, here's yep. here's something. Here's something. Um, if Hank were really smart. I know he's supposed to be the smart one on the team, but if he were really smart, he would start selling off antique furniture from that new mansion he's inherited and and take his girlfriend out to a real date, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's true. This, that's a good a, point. He, they just inherited a ton he, of shit. Why don't they have money to take him on a date? They And they do have money. Like all Xavier's money went to them, basically. They're, and, they're rich. And, okay. Yeah, and they started getting money before. But I, it's it's, again... Yeah. The writing is all a matter of convenience. It's just mm-hmm. it just yeah. shows up over and over again. But well, it's convenient for them not to have money right now, so they don't have money. We're we're gonna have to wrap up this issue real quick or this story real quick so we can get on to our backup. But final thoughts for me on this story, uh, besides the art, which I kind of dug, uh, I have three words awful, painful, and pointless. Um <laughs> I have two words it, for you, sir. Filler yeah. issue. Oh yeah, yeah. But at this it's point, not, everything's this is not, a filler issue. <laughs> this is not a filler issue. This is a start of the new direction for the book, where they're yeah, going to be yeah. focusing on a couple. They, the The plan was to focus on a couple of members of the team at a time instead of the whole group, and then bring them back together and make it feel more special. Um, I don't understand how. Um, Merlin was able to use his hypno powers to rip the floorboards up off of the stage. And I if, don't either. If, that's that's what you're questioning. Yes, I. How did he do that? <laughs> For Christ's sake, the dude pulled him through space and time in the his first appearance, and you're worried about him pulling up the floorboards. 
I mean, come on. With hypnosis. <laughs> yeah, he's uh I can tell you that theater is not gonna have him back. Okay. <laughs> His run is not going to be extended, good sir. Yeah. I do kind uh, of wonder how Bobby was able to know that by deflecting that crystal into the the, the electrical panel that it was gonna give Merlin a bad acid trip. But magnetism. we're never gonna know the answer to that. Oh. I think it's hilarious that he chose to throw that that gem at him. I mean, yeah, it's, in, it's, in it's, other it's, comics, he would point it at them and Beam would shoot out of it. No, he throws it at him. Is that like when the bullet's out of guns and <laughs> the bad guy panics <laughs> and throws it at, at the cops? <laughs> it's All not right. anymore. <laughs> well, Drew, were you going to say something? No, I, I wasn't. Rob's, try, Rob's trying to hurt us cats into the next story, so... I don't have anything good to say about the, the backup story in this book. That might not be much of a surprise, but <laughs> it's total fan service and it's not very good fan service. If this was like a final explanation of Bobby's powers, there were two yeah. things I wanted to know and they were not there. How the ice slides stay aloft and how he makes his ice cream. He Doesn't sort of answered the ice slide thing indirectly because if you look at page three with his ice ladder and he says, yep, here's another bit of cool camp. But did I hear some wise guy physics major ask what holds the ladder up? He says it's perfect balance and then a, a Hulkin helping of imagination. So you're just supposed to not worry about it. <laughs> The I real treasure is the friends we made along the way. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It just seemed weird to me that like out of all the X-Men, I feel like Iceman has the most straightforward power set, even, even compared to Beast. I feel like Beast has a slightly harder power set to wrap your head around than Iceman. He makes ice. That's his deal. You don't have to spend five pages explaining how he makes ice. Like... It, he yeah. makes ice. There's there's moisture in the air. There's there's water everywhere. Like that's it. Like you don't need to tell us that. You know, we've talked about his powers and how they work before on this on this uh, in this book club. Um, in fact, we were talking about when he's in his ice form. If somebody takes an ice pick and knocks his arm off, will it grow back? Um, and and I talked a bit about then at that point how it was all retconned. A little bit you know how his powers work at this point he's talking about all he needs is a little bit of moisture and he can create ice um so he is in the desert and he creates ice because there's moisture in a cactus uh but there's moisture in him or in anybody really i mean we're a lot of water right yeah mostly mostly water and and there's there uh, i saw a meme online the other day that had if this is during the chuck austin era of x-men um which is kind of widely hated um but Iceman makes a comment about i'm trying to remember if he like drank a lot of iced tea on the trip over and so he's not worried about moisture because he'll have plenty of it <laughs> um which basically means he's got a pee okay Hold on, guys. Yeah, well, the, okay. to, to that point, you go to Bobby's party and you don't know that he made the ice cubes like he does on page three. What if he didn't use his hand? I don't think I'd care. <laughs> I could be wrong, but I feel like the whole 
absorbing moisture thing kind of comes and goes, right? Yeah. It that does. was it that does. was not a big deal in the 80s. Like he No. I feel like in the 60s it was kind of hit and miss. In the 70s he had to absorb moisture because I seem to remember him like there was a story where he was tied back to back with the human torch. Human torch, right. And it kept it kept generating steam or something like that and then there was <laughs> And it that kept was, evaporating the moisture and he couldn't. That was their own personal heat. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it sounds like yeah. slash fiction. It, <laughs> it does. <laughs> yep. Yep. Written by John Byrne. Um, <laughs> well, it gave us a little insight into how Bobby's powers work now. And that's all we need to know, I guess. We'll we'll figure that out. But did we need so. to know it? That's my thing about this issue. Like, did we need we to did, know? But, yeah. No, but they did they did it because obviously people have been writing in and asking questions how do his powers it's the same thing with Cyclops. The the Cyclops did some of this too. It's just to deal with the letters page. That's all it is. Well, I mean, and the Cyclops thing, like the little Cyclops recaps, how my powers work, that yeah. was to kind of set up a lot of the stuff that happened in the next issue. Bobby's well, not, that's Bobby's also not where going Fred, to be in the next issue. That's also where FBI agent Fred Duncan came from. Amos. Amos Duncan. Amos, Duncan. Amos Fred Duncan. AF. Yes. <laughs> He's Duncan AF, yeah. He was no, so if it, Amos is his alias, he's just really shitty at putting together aliases. <laughs> well, I, I was supposed to change my last name too, son of a bitch. <laughs> I'm I'm hoping that in, in future issues of the X-Men, and I'm talking, you know, 2024, uh Fred Duncan shows up and says, I, I understand you guys met my brother. Um <laughs> <laughs> what if Amos is just his middle name and he goes by both? Because I, I know I some think, older yeah, people. I think in the MCU, name. I think in the MCU, Agents Duncan should be played by an Oswald. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, like like in uh, Agents of Shield. It should be Yep, I'd be down. Does that cover us for 46 and 47? I think it does, I man. It does. I think it does. For Christ's sake, like I hope it. so. <laughs> yeah, it looks looks like it does. And I don't think you'll ever have to see uh Warlock Meg Merlin or Mahayogi ever again. That's don't what you said promises. last time, Rob. You lied. Yeah, to us. I did say that. <laughs> don't I did make say promises. that last time. Jesus. Well, I'll tell you this, you guys, before we close out, uh next episode, episode twenty nine is gonna be a lot of fun. We've got X-Men 48 and what if number 13, which is kind of outside of the box for us. We're covering an alternate story, an alternate history storyline. So man, have I got um, shit to say about that? I liked it. Uh, that's what I have to say. All right. Well, I guess that's it. You guys, we're going to wrap it up. Thanks for being here, fellas and lady. Thank you, Rowan. Thank you, Drew, Shane and Roger. I guess we'll catch you next time. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, sir. See ya. Yeah. Bye. Drew, grab the chair. We need to put Roger back in his cage. <laughs> <laughs>